You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Potter. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number four seat podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. My new album is still out on all these things, iTunes and such. It's called Home and Away. So buy a lot of copies of that. I have a baby. Today's guest is a stand-up comedian from New Hampshire. She's a stand-up comedian who talks funny, a writer who writes good, and a filmmaker that films stuff. She spends her days trying to find the meaning of life through her artistic endeavors and her nights pumping her pelvis against the patriarchy. I didn't write that, but it's very interesting. Welcome to the patriarchy. This ought to be good. Tony Naj. Hello. Thanks for coming in. Let's talk about you. Tony, okay, so according to the blog I read, depending on your audience, you can be a serious intellectual type, conspiracy theorist, nut job, hardworking artist, the esoteric psychic explorer, or the chick who makes a lot of pussy jokes. <laughs> so basically, the female Neil. <laughs> I was just thinking. I'm not sure I could take I was two just of thinking, you. Okay, stand up. That's a stand up comedy. Right there. <laughs> I like that to think I have stand up comedy. I like to think I have uh, equal opportunity genital jokes. I put some dick jokes in there too. Both. Oh, good. Both. And so we're. Are you? You're in New Hampshire now, so I would think New Hampshire is not. That's not kind of the audience for that. I would think. But you're an L.A. person and a New York person. What's your background in comedy? Like, well, I where did you start? I'm more of a New York person. I grew up in Boston right. and then uh, no accent, no accent. My parents were snobby intellectuals. So that where was in just Boston? in in Beacon Hill. And then we lived oh, in a in Harvard Boston. dorm for oh, most of my childhood. Did your parents both go to Harvard? My dad's a professor there. Yeah, that's wow. Okay, good. Yeah, and my mom was a professor at Brandeis when I was oh, a child. Okay. Yeah. Those are t- uh, Harvard is a good school. Yeah, you heard of it? Yeah. <laughs> so is Brandeis. It's okay. Brandeis is a very good school. Yeah, okay. so I grew up actually in a Harvard dorm, so I okay. spent my childhood amongst the academics. Yeah. Did you go to Harvard? I didn't. I went to Sarah Lawrence. Oh, okay. That's also a good school. Obviously. Yeah. Do you feel and smarter you st- than most people growing up amongst smart people? I mean, I think more importantly, when you grow up in like a hyper academic background, you also see the flaws of your parents, like the emotional flaws and the psychic flaws. And so I always felt more intelligent than my parents because I'm like, oh, God, you guys don't self-reflect, you know. And therefore, I think it gave me an inflated sense of ego around intellectualism because I'm like, these people just hide behind their rhetoric and their specialized thinking, and that's how they hide from their own identities. Oh, oh wow. that's I you that. got that at a young age. Yeah, I was, I was like a really esoteric eight-year-old. <laughs> Apparently. Um, and was that correct? Did you? Yeah. Did you nail older, that? Did you think you nailed it? Yeah. I mean, oh, really? I think that anyone that's going to be in that kind of environment, a lot of what they're doing is isolating others by like this insider language that most people use, like 
if you look at business, if you look at academics, there's all this vocabulary around it that's Every meant. Business. Yeah, it's yes. meant to keep people out. Right. It's business isn't that complicated. It's like you have a product and then people want it or they don't. But right. then you have all these terms and terminology that makes people feel really intimidated by it. And then they're like, oh, you're an expert. I need experts to tell me what to do. That's that's actually true. Like so when I worked with I worked in GM for a while and mm-hmm. then you have to learn all their lingo for car lingo. And it's, you know, and then you go into the AT&T world and everything is an acronym. They joke about it day one, like everything you will hear is an acronym. So you have to learn all the acronyms for every business you're in. Yeah. And then anything you do, like banking, I mean, Abby, our friend Abby, mutual friend, talks to me like I've been in the business school and know all about her finance. I have no idea what she's talking about. Right. She's like, the dividends of the pro forma are escalating. And you're like, (laughs) I have no idea what you just said. You're like, can I get a thesaurus? (laughs) So I find academics to kind of be a lot like that in the sense that there is a way in which knowledge could be digested by all, which is kind of the philosophy of Plato slash Socrates is that anybody has this innate knowledge of and wisdom because we are all eternal beings. And I've always kind of reacted against that. Well, some, Oh, reacted against that. Well, no, I'm, I believe what Plato is saying and I've reacted against kind of this, these institutions of like, we are the smartest people on the planet because we were able to conform our, I kind of agree with you on this one. As a comic, that's kind of what comics do. They kind of point out not only the hypocrisy of that, but also that we take like the smartness and bring it down into this is why you're not so smart. So sometimes I I do feel a little smug in that regard. But I mean, here's why you're not so great. That's why when uh, like a businessman is in the audience or whatever and you could see like if he says something about I'm like, this is not you're not in, you know, uh, the Lehman Brothers right now or Goldman Sachs, you're in my house. You're in my world. And welcome down to the bottom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to make this very easy for you, you know. Well, that's what I love about comedy because it's, I find comedy to be modern day philosophers. It's it's good. There's a couple podcasts called Modern Day Philosophers. Um, so I was a social activist and political activist in my twenties. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Like I was really passionate. And I remember during the second George Bush election, I like truly thought I was going to be able to like not get him elected. I was like, I'm going to throw this event in Brooklyn and I'm going to change the world. I was just so naively idealistic. And, and when Bush won again and all the, you know, I feel like voter disenfranchisement around Diebold and the voting machines. I was like, let's get guns. We're going to start a revolution. I was just so <laughs> excited about how everyone was going to like dissent. And then and nobody gave a shit. Yeah. It felt like maybe yeah. they did, you know, emotionally, but there wasn't the action that I felt was going to happen. There is no action. It I, turns out the revolution's not coming. The revolution is televised yes. and it's and reality TV and no one gives a shit. Yeah. Yeah. I say if you really want a revolution, you got to take away the flat screen. Everybody's flat screen TV. Everyone's refrigerator mm. and everyone's air conditioner. <laughs> Why the I love that. And then maybe we got a chance for a real revolution. Too Why much the, comfort. Because oh. once you get once you get to your house, I mean, you can watch all hell break loose on TV and you're just like, <laughs> well, whatever. I know. Go to your fridge, grab a beer, <laughs> air conditions pumping. You're like, it's not that bad in here. That's and, so and, true. And so they can never, you, there's no. The heat does make people crazy. <laughs> there's so. no, there's no, uh, there's no fight. Because you all, all you do is get angry. I I, c- I don't think I get angrier. I don't know which one I get angrier at. 
real life watching Trump or Game of Thrones. <laughs> like they're both the same. Like I can't distinguish. Yeah, and, and so, that's the thing so about media. Really, yeah, yeah, but we should all be angry. There should be a revolution about how this whole thing's going. Absolutely, but you're so correct in the sense that our comforts are being met constantly. And when you're comfortable, you're not going to dissent because you're trying to preserve what makes your life easy. So that's, I think, the problem with America being this, you know, empire is that even poverty here, which exists, there's a massive amount of poverty. There's still an an influx of comfort. And that is what keeps people, you know. Well, getting back to you then. For this first segment. Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll reel us back in. Is um, well, you didn't grow up in poverty. No, I did not. So now you get to see. So what? Co- again, are you just rebelling against what you you know the the system of what you grew up in, or where did this come from? Is really you should be an academic. Most kids of academics turn into academics. You had a nice life. You're in Boston. Yeah. What's downtown. my problem? Why? What's the problem? Why am I what rebelling? Happened? I think that both my parents were news junkies growing up. And so, you know, I remember when I was eight years old during Christmas, we like listened to the assassination of the Romanian dictator Ceausescu. So it's like I was just exposed. Wait, I'm sorry. There was a tape of that? (laughs) No, it was like a live. There was a a live stream, a live broadcast of it. And that's how I of his assassination. And that's what we spent Christmas morning doing. And like my Christmas morning, literally in Boston, I was in, (laughs) I was actually in Europe when this happened. Europe and you watched the, the, and we just listened to it because it was, you know, part of the fall of communism. It was, I think it was a, yeah, firing squad. Oh, that and was. Then, what does your dad do? Just shut it off? I mean, shut no, it over? No, we talked about it. Oh. Uh, they talked about it, and I sat there and was like, so Santa's not real, right? <laughs> so do you have, <laughs> you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have an older brother. Okay, what happened to him? He's, I'm going to wait, let me guess. Please let me guess. Total, total nerd academic opposite of you. He, uh, you're kind of on the right, yeah. the right end of that. He's an older brother, so I think there's more like parent pleasing happening yep, there. Yeah, yeah. But I just think when you're young and you get exposed to a lot of the world suffering, I mean, my mom was talking about Palestine as when I was yeah. a child and she like That's couldn't hard. get out of bed when the first Gulf War happened for like months. <laughs> she, all she did was like eat chocolate and like, <laughs> so I just was aware of things at a really young age yeah, because they weren't censoring me. So and, do you find that not good for kids? Like they shouldn't know that deep of the world. Just, just don't go that high level on it because i when i was a kid i watched no, my parents, I think when, when i parents i watched them watch the news right yeah and I, I was like why would you do this why are you watching the news even as a kid i watched sports i said i never saw the front half of the paper uh-huh my entire life i did not care my father was like i don't care who's present it nothing changes it seems like you know it doesn't nobody like tomorrow we're not not eating or whatever it just maybe it changes over time super slowly which it probably has but nothing changes so how did you get from you know, like the weight of the world is on you. So you just went artist. Yeah, I think that I mean, you kind of are talking about a certain nihilism, which I have a lot of empathy for. And I turned to after the whole second Bush election because I felt like a failure, like all my efforts meant nothing, even though retrospectively my efforts were slightly superficial. I still felt like I was a part of something. 
And then I wanted to start a business because I was like, I'm going to change the world through socially responsible business because we live in capital, a capitalist society and money is God and AI is money. So if I'm going to do anything, it's only going to be through reimagining Wall Street. Okay. So what was like, the business? I wanted to start an organic fast food restaurant. <laughs> okay. By Chloe. It was like in 2005. Yeah. So Whole Foods was like barely Just, right. birthing itself, you know, you should and be a multimillionaire right now. Yeah, I should have. And I, you know, I made, I had like a business partner and he and I smoked a lot of weed <laughs> and we had like a huge vision of how we were going to source local foods. We were going to start a nonprofit called big mother and big mother <laughs> was going to be the distrib distribution. And we just had such a massive vision. But what we should have just done was like start a fucking restaurant, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like, that's why stoners like are just, we just weren't practical in our decision making. Plus you Basically didn't, plus you didn't have shark tank. If you have shark tank, I think you're there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and fundraising as a 25 year old girl is just like, that's I kept weird. getting myself in situations where like I thought a dude was taking me seriously yeah. and then I'd be alone with him. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, you're trying to fuck. <laughs> Whoops. And I just was so, I kept walking into traps time and time again thinking that like oh i'm an entrepreneur and i was like no i'm just a vagina okay so <laughs> but let's you still wait you still have that in you though you still have that change in you that you're constantly i have it in me and you're so, constantly trying different things i mean through stand-up gets you there yeah right? so how did you get to the artist we're running out of time unbelievable oh i'm well, so sorry so always an artist i know but you're performing at this point no i was just start so trying to start a business career start? i basically i had a baby and like a baby will just blow you out emotionally and spiritually. And it was really that experience that got me more. I was, I'd always been a writer, but that is when I was started to take it seriously. Right. And then doing stand up after giving birth, I literally pulled my own child out of my body mm. and like held her up like the fucking Lion King, you know? <laughs> what birth is that? What kind of birth is that? I just delivered my own a baby. Lion King birth? I like, like that. 42nd Street? <laughs> I know. Where, no. Isn't I like, there a name no, for there, that? There was a doctor there, but oh, okay. I just grabbed you, her myself. Oh, you took down, control. They let you do that? I just reached down and pulled her out. Wait, did you wave off the doctor like, whoa, whoa. No, did no, no. You I least, got this? Did you do the... <laughs> I got this, sir. <laughs> I got did you do this. that one? <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a birth that... Now, that's an idea. You could make a fortune called the Lion King birth. Like, yeah. This is, you teach people to do this birth. Yeah, that'll be my birthing class for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Lion King. Yeah. I like that. That. So how did that get to stand-up comedy? That got to stand-up comedy. I mean, I had been doing, I had been filming my own sketches beforehand. So I've been doing sketch comedy since like the birth of YouTube. That's right. when I kind of started. And um, I got into stand-up because I did the Risk podcast. You know, Kevin Allison mm -hmm. has oh, yeah, a yeah. Risk podcast. And I had like submitted a story and they accepted my story. And I'm such an idiot in the sense that like I just was I grew up a little bit past the internet, so I don't Google things very well. I don't think about it. So I was like, oh, yeah, a podcast or a performance. I've, it was like, I visioned myself like at a cafe, you know, and I was like, oh, I'll just like be at a cafe and there'll be like a couple people. I'll tell my story. And it ended up being at like the women's comedy festival in Boston, and there was 400 people. <laughs> I'd never even spoken into a microphone. Oh, God. And I got there and I'm like having a fucking panic attack. And I'm just like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And I'm a dancer. I've been dancing um, for a long time. 
And my friend was like, just think of it as a noisy mouth dance. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And then when I got on stage, I was like, oh, I feel amazing. Like, this is fine. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's how I got into doing stand-up and storytelling and stuff. So where do you do most of your stand-up now? In New Hampshire? In New York. In New York. So you come down. I come down. And do shows. Where's your first performance in New York? Um, I I do a lot at Broadway Comedy and then also the Greenwich Village Comedy Club. So Great. Yeah, All and right. I used to be a waitress at the Village Lantern. Oh wow! So that's right I mean I've been a area. I've been into comedy for a, whole, a long oh, wow, time. That's cool. Very nice. Um, let me just ask you quickly while we wrap up the segment. So you, the, your son or daughter? daughter? Daughter is the Munch. Yeah. Okay. Explain how'd you get to the Munch? Well, her name is Adelia, but when you look at a baby, I was like, that's a fucking hell of a name so i was like i'm just gonna give you this nickname and then it became its own thing thing within writing about her constantly yeah (laughs) i actually i'm the munch i read her my blog now and it's really interesting because she'd be like whoa why was i behaving like that like i'm so sorry like she's how old she's nine Nine. yeah she's like i didn't you know i didn't mean that or like she's she like finds when we have conflict in the blog fascinating (laughs) and she's always retrospectively trying to understand what was going on with her so and how often are you writing you writing every day then i wrote every day for about seven years and then i got so caught up in filmmaking and script writing that now i do it once a week so you're every morning your writing processes or where are you writing? I write every day for about six hours a day. Where? I've been doing that for 10 years. Where? In my house. In your house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wrapping up this segment. What's your dream job now? So like you've done, you have business ideas, you have performance artist ideas, you have stand up ideas. What, what do you want to do? What's your dream job? Uh, my dream job is stand up and directing, writing films. There you go. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, welcome. Thank you. Okay. Now we see what we're dealing with here, everyone. I mean, we very opinionated. La- That's right. She's shaking her head at me. Yes. Uh, so all over the blog and what um, my wife told me and what Abby has told me, everything, the big thing, there's a big through line about the patriarchy. Yeah. Okay. Now, the patriarchy, for those of people out Is there, I the had a- second segment? Yes, this is the second segment. It's titled Patriarchy? The Patriarchy, the patriarchy. is a social oh, okay, system okay. in which men hold primary power and, predom- and predominate in roles of political leadership, moral authority, social privilege, and control of property. Okay. This is a world thing. Yeah, this is the, the global ideology and system that we've been existing is in. Is there anywhere in the world that doesn't have it? Is there a country that has an example of no? No. no. Wakanda? No. Nah. Wakanda does no. <laughs> I mean, the patriarchy is the <laughs> most pervasive social system in human history. Yep. And what's, the, you know, I don't want to say what's the problem with the patriarchy, but I might as well, well give you obviously a, sum a lot it of up. freaking problem. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, destroying the earth. Well, there'll be nothing left. Okay. No, so but it's not as I mean. Right now, I can name argue. A, name a woman that has gone. Name name a female that has brought us to war. Attila the Hun. That's. A man. Yeah. Name a female oh. that has brought us to war. Mrs. Attila behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's never happened, right? Am I right I about that? Know. No. Well, no woman has. I mean, you could claim Bay Hillary Bay Clinton has been a part of war mongering. But I think the the deeper votes. thing about the patriarchy isn't about men doing this, women doing that. It's a psychological system that has affected men and women equally. And if you think about society and how it's been structured, because men have been in positions of power since basically the dawn of agriculture, at least as far as um, written history has gone, that 
all the systems, all art, music, the canon, you know, narrative structure, the hero's journey. These are all developed through the psychology and the taste and the preferences of the masculine mind. So it's like the hero's journey, according to Joseph Campbell, who God bless him, you know, I respect him. He was a professor at Sarah Lawrence is like you have a person, they have a conflict and then it's resolved and they grow and they evolve. But like, what does the heroine's journey look like? It's maybe a woman who gets up. She's the emotional punching bag for her husband. She tries to carry the emotions of her child. She gets sexually harassed. She goes to bed. She does it again the next day and she survived. You know, like that's a different story, but you're not going to see that. I don't think that's the story my wife's living. It's not, but it's the story of women across the world in the sense that like we don't look at narrative or art or anything through the eyes of women. It's all developed through the eyes and psychology and the taste of men. Um, Do you get what I'm saying? Joseph Campbell's like a writer. I mean, Bethel's mom like lives by that book. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a book that shaped so many writers. It's shaped our entire narrative (laughs) arc. Yeah. But so everyone goes by that. But I never thought. I mean, he is a man. He's a man. Yeah. I I think it's a good point. I I didn't think about that. But every movie, every every writer, all music, all producers, most the majority of producers are men. And even there are women singers, there are women songwriters. They still have to cater to the record companies and the people who yeah, own no, music. Funny, I watched the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last night, and then and then Stevie Nicks was the first w- female to yeah. win to win in rock and roll for the two awards. She won for group, but she was the first one. Yeah, to w- do that, it was crazy. Whereas there was like a thousand men. Well, the what about the. But how? So no what, mafia what is your, movies yeah. is what I'm asking. No, no, yeah. it's not about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's not just about the the microcosms. It's right. about the macro idea that society as a whole have been shaped by the psychology of the patriarchy and men. And women have had very little influence in how these structures and these systems are developed. And like what happens now is that you know we're having all this social equality with like conversations around feminism right but what does feminism look like when we're trying to fit into a structure that's developed purely through the minds of men it's like is that truly feminism how can we actually restructure and reimagine society and culture art everything music all of it and not be in rebellion to men and not even be in response to what we've already been witnessing for the last 30,000 years. Well, what is it happening? Can it happen? Is it, is it slowly changing? I feel it. I think our programming is so deeply embedded in us that it's going to be really difficult to not be in like a direct rebellion against something. Well, okay. So explain how Hillary Clinton lost Hillary Clinton. (laughs) But I just wanted to point out that Hillary Clinton lost because 53% of the white women women voted for Trump. Of course, because Why? that is internalized sexism. It's internalized patriarchy. And also Hillary Clinton. You're telling me these people are so clueless that it's they are about, so embedded in the patriarchy that they can't even on free will go into a booth where they can close a door and hit the one for the woman. The reality is, is that we are programmed. And these a lot of these women are part of a marriage where that marriage is defined by the. But this is private. They could walk out of the booth. Are and you going to lie to your husband? Yes. I don't think a Honey, lot. I, I think voted a lot for, of. I voted for Trump. That's but we, we want that to happen. But that's not, I think that's the, too idealistic. Like that's what you want to happen. I'm shocked. But that's just not what happens. They lie to their husbands every day. But internalized no. sexism, internalized racism. It's like women feel sexist against the self. People of color feel racist against the self. This is what happens when you're a subjugated identity on the planet. Is that you internalize those 
ideologies. You internalize sexism and you believe. I mean, so many women uphold the patriarchy. As many women as men uphold the patriarchy. It is women who are circumcising other girls. Well, how do you men aren't doing that? How do you change them? I don't think I'm the problem here. You know what I mean? I think those are the you are the patriarchy. No, those you are the women are the problem. I mean, obviously they could (laughs) have made a massive dent in this. You reek of patriarchy. Let's (laughs) just face it. I don't. My wife makes more money than I do. How do I? I mean, we're what are you talking about? I take so much care of that baby. It's ridiculous. That's not part of the patriarchy. I'm ready to get rid of the patriarchy. I'm ready to try something else. I don't think you. How we're going to? You don't need to take it personally in the sense that. Oh, I'm taking this personally. No, you don't (laughs) need to because again we are all victims of the culture of which we're socialized in i you can't it's not about a blame culture it's not about pointing fingers it's not about saying this is the bad guy this isn't you know i it's like men who rape what a bummer that you're going to spend your time raping a woman rather than like valuing her and having the most epic conversation about your feelings possible i mean we are all even people that perpetrate violence and hate they are victims of the system that we are all a part of maybe she should pick up dinner once in a while that's all i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) i think that the women that uphold the patriarchy are just as brainwashed as the men who do of course so, all right. And all how right. did you, how, where, did you feel like you grew up your life brainwashed about it? Or when did you come to the, when did this dawn on you? Yeah, when you, you kind of live in a patriarchal society as far as like the educational system, right? Of course right? I do. And all, men were old professors. The, There's no women professors 30 years ago or, you know what I mean? Very my, rarely. Well, my mom, she was Madden? always no, an adjunct professor. <laughs> yeah. my, my dad was the tenure. Right. My dad was the revered exactly. one. Yeah. He was changed the God. over time. So this has been good. But I grew up. <laughs> you saw your mom make so much progress probably she did and i think that was a good model for me but even then not enough no because that's not overall we won't overall i mean i'm I'm not getting there slowly aren't you i don't know if we are but even it even in a a bethel out once in a while (laughs) (laughs) even in a familial structure so i grew up in a really again like academic progressive liberal environment but right. even in my family there was the patriarchy like there was my brother and he, his emotional needs were the priority was because he was the, is that the oldest or the patriarchy it's because boys are more emotional and i i believe that a lot of boys slash men have a lot of emotions that they don't understand how to filter through a nuanced lens so it's expressed through anger and when someone is angry it's like you want to put out the fire where girls are socialized to express their emotions through sadness and tears which are kind of easier to deal with so in my personal family the emotional needs of my brother were the priority which is going to set me up for a lifetime of always prioritizing <laughs> the needs of men because that's what I'm conditioned to do so it's that's anger true. versus crying that's what I said every acting class was it's yeah. totally true every yeah. acting class is a bunch of girls crying a bunch of guys trying to cry and no one can yeah <laughs> yeah all the girls could cry in my acting class I said the, all the, the girls, girls are crying cry. like a storm that's all oh, they the do guys and the guys that. are just in the corner squeezing themselves thinking <laughs> dead bodies like okay I just killed my whole family and then I slaughtered everybody else nothing punching so their dicks the guy emo- have, emotional how'd you find this guy to have a baby with um, or was this just is this a miracle no I mean <laughs> I think I'm a very I attract a I attract men because I'm very easy to get along with because I've been conditioned to tolerate a, a huge spectrum of behavior. Yeah. I so I've never been single in my whole life. I've been single one, for six months. So did you find one that, you know, understood this um, like a cool one? I yeah, found one I that is really open to his own personal evolution and doesn't deny my reality. So I think 
the way a marriage or a relationship can work is if you both share the reality. And if someone denies your experience or if they say like, what are you talking about? That is when you start to build resentment and you start to feel like you're being gaslit and you get defensive. Literally, that's my favorite line in the whole world. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you like, fucking talking about? I yeah. say that every hour on the hour to everyone, <laughs> not only my wife. What are you talking about? So she's just going to have to deal with the patriarchy. I'm sorry. <laughs> because I like, what are you talking about? Do you have a movie That's script called happen. The Patriarchy yet? You should. Let's get that I have a, up and running. I have a TV pilot called Pump Your Pelvis Against the Patriarchy. Oh, yeah. Okay, That's I funny. like that. That is funny. That's a, yeah. Good luck trying <laughs> to sell that, that to Hollywood. No, right? now's some, some, the Who's going to green light that script? I know. God, why am I still a failure? I don't, <laughs> well, what I don't about get it. In the last but years, no, but we've women, had all these female yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. That are, like, what about, like, I'm just thinking. Lena Waithe and all those people. Like It's coming. Like, even I felt like comedy finally changed and became, like, Bridesmaids, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. That was always a male. Yeah, it's still. all coming. Tiffany Haddish but movies. Does, They're all does bridesmaids still reek of the patriarchy? I think that there is a lot of interesting effort happening. And yeah. I, I just the reality is, is like they're still and like the way that movies or media at all get funded is by men saying, okay, I can kind of see this. So I'm sure that there's a lot of compromise that has to happen, which I'm sure happens with men too. You have to compromise your art in order to get people to put money into it. Right. And I think that the more examples there are of like a different way of telling a narrative that's successful, the more I think it will open up the platform for both women and men who don't, you know, it's like how sick are you of a movie where you can, you obviously can guess what's going to happen. Like, oh, yeah, she's going to reject the guy, and then the guy's going to reject her, and they're going to end up together well, at the end. Well, it's formulaic more so than what... Which is why Jordan Peele, right. you know, he's a man, but he is really challenging the status quo when it comes to filmmaking. I mean, I, I think this really applies to men as well. This isn't just about, like, ending the patriarchy is good for women. It's good for humanity because it's looking at these like conventional status quo way of being and dismantling it, which I think everyone will benefit from. Well, so, I, I think we've changed a lot, even in my lifetime. Like you could see that going across. I mean, not, I didn't grow up like this. So in, for the most part, you know, my mother, again, my mother made more money than my father. Eventually, you know, it, it kind of twisted. But um, I don't know. My mother ran the house, you know, whatever, whatever she said went. Yeah. Let, it let's, wasn't. Let's use Lenny's example. Let's take down the patriarchy. Go ahead. Wait, let me take down the patriarchy, but I have to ask it in through my lens, if okay. that's okay. So since we were running out of time, I want to say, but I have to ask this one question. It's important to me. So yeah. when you're on stage, okay, and you're going, do you have a bit about this? I would guess. Oh, a lot of course. Of okay. Yeah. So now how do you get this to cross over if you want to get out of Greenwich Comedy Club and have <laughs> a big time? I know. Because I mean, that's, this, a, that's a really great question. Be for you. I think for me, it's about. I have a lot of toxic masculinity in myself. I'm not pointing the finger and saying, you're this and I'm that. I'm not trying to say I'm perfectly self-righteous. Right. You know, there's a lot of ways in which gender roles exist with me being the more masculine force. In, I like that angle. And like, I, I honestly, I have a hard time relating to a lot of my girlfriends and their experience in relationships because I'm much more identify with dudes and the way that they approach relationships. So the way I've been kind of playing with it is like, look, I'm going to talk about these issues, but I also am going to self-identify as the perpetrator of these. And I think that there is, you know, a balance between like likability and pushing people to consider their own behavior patterns, which I'm most interested in. I mean, it may sound corny, but no. like 
it that the healing of people within relationships is what I'm most passionate about because when you have like a healthy relationship with yourself and with your spouse with your child that's when you're going to have a healthy relationship with the world interesting all go. right I got to see the set okay so if, uh, wait, wait wait the god let's I'm go to the godfather let's go to the godfather okay go ahead so just the godfather quickly likes that movie uh Everybody likes that movie. All Let's, the patriarchy. So loves we're that gonna movie. we're gonna Godfather. No, if you're not a Godfather fan, you're not in the patriarchy. Of course, but we're gonna Godfather. Get the s'mores, gonna sit on the couch, Godfather and watch the patriarchy. Sex That's in the what, City reruns. Yeah, but we're gonna yeah. Godfather the patriarchy. Yeah, go ahead. Meaning, at the end of the film in the Godfather, they kill all the people. Right. Yeah. And he takes. So how? Do it, what do we have to do to take out to get the patriarchy? Like, do we systematically go after like all male leaders of all the countries? Is it political? Is it art? Is it everything? Like, what's the sweeping? That's an interesting question, which was what was so, to me, fascinating about the Me Too movement. Because in a way, I was like, if every man in power had to pay the social consequence of sexually harassing and offending other women, that would knock down a huge proportion of men. Because the the raping of the earth, the raping of economy the raping of society happens with the raping of women and so I do think there's a major connection between men who are having this kind of relationship to dominance and power because rape has nothing to do with sex it has to do with power or potentially it does but I think more I'm not a raper I don't really know but I think the motivation around rape has to do with feeling inadequate you know, feeling fearful, wanting power, wanting domination, which is why this concept of empowering women to me is kind of psycho because I actually don't want power. I want cooperation. I don't want power over another. I don't want to have anything to do with power. I want collaborative techniques. So I think in order for the quote unquote patriarchy to be taken down, it's going to be through collaborative systems. And like by men and women coming together and races coming together, it's not going to be through dominating. It's not going to be through the same psychology. Got it. I see. So the Godfather was a bad analogy. Then. It just was the analogy. <laughs> of, exactly. Can no, I ask I the just question? Said Did it. you guys? I you knew s- it was going to go bad, but not that bad. You saw the movie <laughs> The Beach, right? Oh, uh, yeah. No, I couldn't watch it. I cried too much. Like Leonardo the, DiCaprio? Yeah. Oh, no. I thought they were talking about the beach. No, with, no. The uh, beach. The it's beach. like there's with this Leonardo, utopian yeah, society. Yeah. They all live on the beach. And then he's like, oh, he goes to it. And they're all polyamorous. They but fuck they each other. Killed by the sharks and the weed dealers. No, it's just it becomes the same thing that they were trying to escape. Yeah. Like uh, okay. because power was so deeply embedded in their psychology. So as long as we're seeking power over. Movie. What's the matter with this? <laughs> we're we're going to be just yeah. re- reimagining the same. Okay, wrap this segment up for me. What do you think of Hooters strip clubs? I have a cheerleaders. I think that like strip clubs or pornography, I have a really hard time not identifying with the women and like wondering like what happened. Like, are yeah, you OK? Exactly. That's you know, what I think. I really feel for them. Like, why are you that's making what I this? Think. That's why I don't get it. I don't get it. I feel for them too much. It It, it, it hurts my humanity. Right. I agree. Yeah, so but have they just succumbed to the whole system? I mean, I it's really they hard need to money, they have no self-esteem. No, aren't they, they more? They part of the patriarchy has murdered them. What is I think there is sex positivity that happens in sex work for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really nuanced and complicated decision that women make, but I do feel like because you're objectified for your body already and you decide to make money off of it, that's part of capitalism. I mean, the capitalism 
system so you're is conflicted? where is that what I'm getting here? Well, what I'm saying is like if we're going to be living in a in a capitalist society, women selling their bodies is the oldest job that women have participated in. So we have to take down capitalism if we want to take down women selling their bodies. Boy, you got a lot of work to do, lady. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take the, the hard turn uh to the third corner and maybe we'll lighten it up a little bit with uh birthdays birthdays <laughs> i read yeah. your birthday is december 29th horrible mine is the 28th oh boom that's why we're doing this segment i will never forget your birthday yep i won't forget yours either so and of course neil's believe it or not like we're going to talk about how lousy we much we have this in common that we both hated our birthday day yes the garage the great child here Fourth of July. Oh, my daughter's the second. Serious? Yeah, yeah. The fireworks are for you. Yeah. Every yeah. year, Everybody the fireworks are for him. His mom makes him a red, white, and blue cake oh, every wow. year. Wow, my birthday's birthday. a big deal. It's a big deal. You guys' birthdays both. He suck. wakes up, <sighs> dan, 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 and we like your guys' birthdays are both winter. a big burden on everybody. Uh. First of all, it's literally <laughs> the worst weather week of the year. Always, Always. it's freezing. And How many birthdays were ruined the gifts. when you were a kid because of snow? Oh, now, beyond, beyond, beyond. I remember staring out the window and like, are they coming? <laughs> you know, people aren't coming. I had know. one birthday party as a child. <laughs> the best part about your December birthdays when you the get, worst. when I buy gifts for people that have December birthdays yeah, in that area. Two for one, you I get a, a super cheap gift for their birthday yeah. mm-hmm. and then a good gift for the holidays. Yeah. But if you're not part of my family, then you just get a super. It's, you get it's like one you, gift. One gift, combine it. Bam. Yeah. Well, we had, you know, birthday Hanukkah's slash. right there. You know, my birthday's right there. New my, Year's. New yeah. Year's, two for one. You know, they, you know, I got. Here's how my birthday worked. Tell I don't me know about if you it. Had this. Okay, so. My mother waited when I got old enough to understand why, like, if I was cool with it. The one good thing was my mother uh, would go shopping almost after my birthday because all the sales were probably the following week after Christmas. Everybody was bringing stuff back. So she'd go back. Yes. So she made a four. You know, that's how she saved money and got me a better present. So I was cool with it. But if I had to return something, complete nightmare <laughs> of all the stuff i mean just and you were getting one thing oh this is a hanukkah slash birthday mm-hmm. really not for my sister mm-hmm. she got two separate one i mean i can't even think i have millions of horrible ideas about like december is this late december is a terrible birthday well, you internalize just not being a priority i think like that was the impact on me i just wasn't a priority yeah, everything else is happening you're right. everything else is happening and i was always traveling around that time because my dad would do these nerd conferences these like classics <laughs> conferences so we would be you on know christmas in, week yeah who works christmas week nerds <laughs> that's who harvard nerds they come together and they talk about ancient greece so i would does he, be, have a, does he wear a bow tie he doesn't but oh. he does wear the same thing every single day for my entire life oh please oh, wow. tell me it's a sweatsuit I would. That would be yeah. kind of hip hop. Yeah. No, it's khaki, khaki, blue pa- shirt. khaki yeah. pants, blue shirt, blue shirt, blue shirt red yeah. tie, reddish tie. Yes, like and the blazer. Bla- oh wow! You I've nailed it, young Republicans. <laughs> you nailed it. Luckily, he's not a Republican, yeah. so yeah. I can still. That's that out of animal Did he house. wear loafers or whatever? Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, he's a That's how I grew up. That's what I wore. Professor, what do you want? Well, my if dad I go to Harvard, he better be dressed like that. That when my dad went to UVA, that's how everyone. Your dad still dresses like that. Of course, that's what. 
all you know to do is put on the blazer, the khakis, you, and the blue there shirt. There should be a store the called Yeah, the Doxiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Doxiders. Oh, my God, Doxiders. Anyway, so nerds ruin the birthday. So I would always be in, like, Bumblefuck, Texas. And then <laughs> my mom, for whatever reason, my birthday would be the day that she would want to go to the museum. So I would spend my birthday just at the museum of, you know, of New Mexico. Oh, okay. While you're on just because she was like, well, let's go to the museum today. And I would just be like, I hate museums. I hate my parents. Oh, my God. And I had no friends. And then and then I'd go out to dinner and then I would get just whatever cake. But this was your day. It was my day, but (laughs) I just was was not. What was the big one? You said you had one good one. I had one birthday party growing up and it was in the fifth grade. uh, But because I was a codependent, I invited everybody in my entire grade. And we had a really awkward dance party. (laughs) Really awkward. That was your best birthday? That was my best and only (laughs) birthday. Yeah. What? Nine? Eleven. And yeah. And it was um, in April. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, you had it in April. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. I know. I had a joint party with a friend. I just was like, I am celebrating myself. Yeah, almost. I was, and then, and then when I got into my later years, I got into throwing my own parties where I would just get like sixty tabs of ecstasy. Oh no, that's a better birthday. It was yeah. I learned how to throw my own parties. I learned to mother myself. You got (laughs) sixty, so you everyone got one. Everyone got at least two tabs of ecstasy. Wait, you two in one night? Yeah, oh, shit. Like, I would. Like when it's wearing off, you like go for the you other double one? up. Yeah. Or do you double up at the beginning? No, you you go for one and then around four, you take the other. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Now that's a decent birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, when do you wake up? Like the next February 3rd. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like you kind of bleed into New Year's Eve. I, I, we, I had my 19th birthday. We just did ecstasy for 48 hours and just danced. Uh, yeah, it was in my house. Like no one was there. And I, I had like 30 forever. people. It was really fun, except for eventually one guy got into a nitrous tank and then that got really dark. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you mean the shit that you You inhale. In uh-huh. And anybody talk uh, like this? No. Yeah. It's no, like, that's helium. That's helium. Oh, <laughs> this is more like it gives you a buzz. It gives oh, you a okay. buzz. All your brain cells die. And like oh. you used to spray it on your shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turns out you can have a psychotic break after doing 48 hours of ecstasy oh, and then adding that to the mix. Suddenly it's Pulp he, Fiction. It was, <laughs> you know, five in the morning. And I was like, I think this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> Where was this? In Boston? This was in my parents' house in New Hampshire. Oh. I just like shipped 40 kids out there what was the hopping club then to go to we just partied at the house oh, you just yeah at the house. yeah okay. oh, there you go you miss those days i the craziest party of mine was bowling <laughs> Ooh. That's your big birthday i love bowling parties <laughs> even when i was a kid we do it we used to do it here every year like um you know all through my 40s i think like, oh wow yeah, it was fun we just get everybody and then neil decided to gamble on people's like you know, on everything, on everything, <laughs> and it turned into like the craziest time. People still talked about it these <laughs> days because it would be like how you know uh, Tony's gonna, she's gonna throw a gutter ball. I'll bet you. I dollars felt like oh. I felt like the very last time we gambled, Evil. it got kind of hateful. I felt bad. I think it kind of hateful, but it people was like, don't know how to control themselves. It's for single we dollar bet, bills. We were betting against people, and then we we're making people bet against themselves. And <laughs> when, they, when they started having to bet on themselves and against themselves, the anger yeah. started. That. Oh, yeah. The patriarchy took over. The self-hate. Then need, they got started getting mad. That's but right. We didn't you, need the uh, tablets to go you, crazy. Do you care if someone completely forgets your birthday? Are you I that into it? I care a lot. Oh, you do? Uh. I do. I really care. And I also remember everyone's birthday. Like I, 
I will send you a text on your birthday. I will send you a text on yours. I, if someone around me, I'd even meet them. It happens to be their birthday. I will go and I'll oh, buy so them a present. Birthdays are a big deal. To Leslie's they're like a big this. deal. Birthdays huge, huge deal. Some people huge deal. I why? had a. Why do you? Why is because I don't, you I don't made it another year? You want I think to me, it's about <laughs> feeling like a priority. I just was not the priority in my family structure. And so I just yearn to be the priority and just for people to care about me because I'm a codependent. Did so I'm have, always caring about others. Did you have this conversation with your parents? Like that you didn't feel like you were a priority? Did they, oh, yeah. They know this. What did they, they, know, like, what did they say to They this? said, not now. I'm talking <laughs> to your brother. <laughs> so let's talk about it later. Quiet. <laughs> I mean, I think... Does your dad go, that's wrong, that's not how it was? No, I think they understand, although no parent really wants to admit, you know, that you want to feel like you did their best. And I think they did do their best. And I was a really accommodating child, so I made it easy. You know, it's you fit into whatever structure you were born into. So I just... But they do... They, did they do a lot of like, stop it? Like, come on, stop it. No, you know? I didn't even... <laughs> push Tony. it to that level yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> they, not right no they get it they okay, get it okay but, but back to birthdays i did once have a stripper for my 18th birthday oh, oh there you wow go. That, that was a priority male, that day. Male or female? It was a male stripper. So this so is part of the matriarchy this now. Was, okay, but this was 1998. So we had to like find the stripper in a phone book. And he like... What's got, it under? Wait, you called your stripper? own stripper? Yeah, it was me and f six of my girlfriends. You called... Oh, who called... You called your own stripper? No, yeah. My friend Liz actually oh, was the one it. who made the phone okay. call. But we were at my house on my birthday, flipping through, found a phone number for stripper... And then she called and had one come over and he had a mullet oh, and wow. he was wearing like a bad start. He was wearing like cut off shorts, but the cut off part of the leg was like he was wearing Venetian blinds, like uh, of jeans. Interesting. And then he was he like had his own boom box and he was like very greased up. And I just remember like being super paranoid that he was going to get the stripper grease on <laughs> my mom's furniture, you know, and then he was. He, he was like gyrating, you know, on us. And he was also listening to like all 80s oh, wow. hair rock. Yeah. Like there was okay. like a lot of white snakes. I'm seeing Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Great I'm vision. Seeing, I'm hearing his but movie on cocaine. number two. I'm hearing movie number two. <laughs> he was definitely doing blow. Yeah. And we were just like not turned on we were afraid you know but and then he would like take our hands and then we would have to like touch his lubed up chest yeah. and we were really trying to be polite we'd be like Ooh, so it you was know. never funny or fun or was it it uh, did it spiral out of control Happy I birthday. mean it was <laughs> I think we were in over our heads oh, in the yeah, sense shit. that we had a 40 year old man it was just one just one in a thong <laughs> oh, just like what it cost you it, yeah. I think it was like 80 bucks I can't remember you <laughs> it know like it should be 80 bucks but we know any more of the story yeah <laughs> does it get worse no he just you did know pick anybody up and yeah. we don't know. did you get a lap dance for he, your birthday I did yeah. wait did he get totally no, no he no, kept he his kept thong it. on he's professional yeah, yeah. okay thank Total god pro he kept his flaccid penis okay, contained good. thank god which is we were like okay so, yeah okay. Oh, so okay all right so let's wrap Wait, this so you wanted more no we no, really we like happy about that we really were thankful God, that I see he when he left contained. all the girls being very quiet it's like that scene yeah we were yeah, just yeah, like yeah. whoa whoa i guess that's not our thing yeah <laughs> did you ever see the picture abby has this photographer that took all these like odd pictures of children and one of them is with the you ever seen i love house, that one birthday cake mm -hmm. and all the girls are sitting around but they're miserable with genius the it's a really genius thing 
but that's how I envision yes. you guys after he walks yeah. out the door. Yes. The cake is just ruined. <laughs> just taking it all in, yeah. being it's like, so what? It's so funny because you have, this, you have this image that you've seen on like movies and stuff that's going to go really fun, and then yeah. it, that, that would, but the people <laughs> are not fun, so I could understand how that would go terribly wrong. Uh, it's great. Okay, so did you have a great present still, of all he's time? Probably still stripping though. My greatest present of yeah, all time. We'll wrap up with that. All greatest right. Well, this is gonna time. sound. I'm gonna. I think the greatest thing I ever did was on my 29th birthday because it was my golden birthday. Mm-hmm. I did a 10 day silent meditation retreat on my birthday. Oh, 10 where? day silent meditation in uh, upstate New York. Was that a present Bush. for the world or just for you? it was? <laughs> I really rewired my brain Mm. and it changed me so fundamentally that I would say that that's probably the best thing I ever did, although it was incredibly difficult and emotionally painful. And I felt at one point like my brain was fragmenting, but that was like the turning point of my life. Wait, what was hard? Not talking? No, the not talking is fine. It's the meditating from four in the morning till 10 at night. And with a group or by yourself? You're with a group. My brother did that, but only a week and almost killed him. Oh, God. Yeah. And I did. It was a Chinese Buddhist retreat. And yeah, the Chinese do Buddhist, not so. fuck around. Yeah. Well, he, did a <laughs> week, he did like a week in the, in the south of France. Yeah. And he wrote really? about it in his book. And it was really funny because he, he fell in, in love with the, He fell in love with this girl, of course, but they couldn't talk. So he right. just sat there and they, that's there. really funny. Yeah, but he doesn't even. I mean, it's just in his head. But <laughs> you like not talking for like a week? The not like talking was. 10 days? It just wasn't as bad as you think, you but know, you break out a little conversation. No, the only time you talk is at one point you had a private one on one. But that was after seven days. And literally I said one word, which was like sitting hurts. You know, that's oh, all I could shit. say. Wait, so wait, so you're waking up in the morning four, and you start the meditation at 415 with the group 15 mm-hmm. and you go to when you basically you have 40 minute blocks and you either do sitting meditation or sometimes you get to do walking meditation. Oh, my God, that would drive me insane. Four to seven thirty. You have breakfast and then. And what about the TV watching? Is there TV watching at night? Oh, totally. You watch TV, you get on your phone, you Facebook. Yeah. Oh, you no, 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 no yeah. way. Damn. I can't. No, you can't this. even write yeah. anything down. What if you need, like, what you have if you want to watch the Yankees game? Yeah. At night? What if you need sugar in <laughs> your yeah. tea? Like, you no, can't ask for anything? Nothing. They take all your phones, right? Are no you, phones. Yeah. yeah, yeah no. Their, you <laughs> can't even have a pencil. He got all excited. He's I'm like, done. I can do that. I could do it. You got to give me the TV. Yeah. Or I'm doomed. 10 days silent with your TV. What do you do at night? Just You fall asleep. Yeah, because yeah, you're over at 10 and you you know you only have six hours a, to is sleep. Your, is your bedroom with a bunch of people? No, you have private bedrooms. Okay. No reading? No reading, okay. no writing, nothing. That's the best present you've ever gotten. Well, it's a yeah, the, it, it changed me okay. so oh, fundamentally. But you can write at this time. You well, can't. Wait, what was the big oh, fun- you can't write down your thoughts? What's mm-hmm. the biggest oh. fundamental change that happened? Basically, you know, you have the voice oh, of your ego that. in your brain yeah. and that voice of your ego, probably 97% of those thoughts do not serve you at all. Mm-hmm. They're very cyclical. Sometimes they're self-destructive. They're boring. And so what happens during the retreat is you become aware of the voice in your head. That's your ego. You become aware of the voice in your head that's saying the mantra. And then you become aware of the voice in your head that's judging your ego. So it's like I'm saying the mantra, I'm thinking a thought, and then I'm judging my thought. And I, it's like they're all in a megaphone. And when you pay more attention to the mantra, eventually what happens is that in order for your ego to compete with the power of the mantra, your thoughts, becoming, your thoughts, your thoughts start becoming more 
interesting. What's the mantra? The mantra was what is woo? And like woo represents the mysteries of the universe that can't be explained through language. Okay. And are you still meditating? Well, the meditation is saying the mantra. No, but are you still meditating to this? Oh, day? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not every, I, every day for 10 years. So you're Buddhist? I mean, I would say that I practice Buddhist meditation. Okay. Like my bro. Right yeah. There you go. And we know how weird he is. <laughs> Wait, if you don't if you don't meditate, do you fall apart? I just have done it. I I don't not do it. Yeah, yeah. Even on a plane, I will do it. Um, mine was like either a sweatsuit or a Rams jersey was my best present. <laughs> and you wear Yours, a best present. You hurry wear, up! Do they kick you out of a football? football? If you wear the football jersey when you meditate, Can I throw they a kick ball up in the air. I got to do something. I'll lose my mind. Oh, go ahead. A Rams jersey is your best birthday. Yeah, man. I don't. Oh, I, I don't it. really love my my best birthday. Always is one thing. That's the best gift. What the the red, white, and blue cake. Oh, oh. mom made it. That's all Yummy. I really care about. Awesome. It, right. it really is pretty tasty. Let's go to the fourth corner. It, this I'm going to play Scruples. You seem like the perfect person to play Scruples with. Scruples okay. was a game in the 80s, and it was, we just give you a scenario, and you just tell me your thoughts. So let's start with this one. Your beloved cat is dying. You can save it for one more year by hitting a button. The button will kill a random stranger. Would you do it? No. <laughs> Why? Well, because death is inevitable. So, And then mm-hmm. even though uh, the cat is beloved, I don't think death is the worst thing that happens to us. I think we're just returning to the ancestors. You, uh, let wait. me go second. <laughs> <laughs> because I know what Neil's going to pick. He has two cats. <laughs> wait a beloved. second. I got a lot of questions. Beloved. <laughs> what? She makes practical sense. The cat is dying. No, death re- is part of life. Boom. Read the question See again. ya. Read the question again. Your beloved cat is dying. You can save it for one more year by hitting a button. The button will kill a random stranger. I'm not killing a random okay, stranger so, over a cat. And we know this. Do you not know? See ya, Fluffy. I got this all figured out. Got I got all... It's simple, okay. First of all, do you know the ra- you don't know the random stranger? You just know that this is happening. Correct. I'd save the cat because I think the other part's a lie. I don't. I don't think you go kill a random. Stranger. Oh, really? And that's, that's how I game. live with myself. Yeah. <laughs> See that? You don't kill the cat. I save my cat and then uh, call their bluff. Uh, yeah. Apparently, a, a random stranger, but I know that didn't happen. <laughs> See? Being ridiculous. But that's what I would do. But that's not the game. But that is the game. No, somebody's dead now. And well, you just killed a real human being over your cat. Or you lied about killing somebody, and I saved my cat. <laughs> no. It's like that experiment where you put a cat in a box. Wow. That's right. Right, and it's only dead. Schrodinger's cat, and it's only dead if you open the box right. and prove its death. That's so. right. You don't know if it's dead or alive. So, so that, I, that, I, That's it, just too Personally, I just would like to try that experiment and put Neil's cats <laughs> in a box and see what happens. They love boxes. I want to wait a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> they love boxes. No holes. They do. <laughs> I buy I buy like a million things at Petco like for eight eighty dollars or whatever, and then they don't they go into the bag that I bought it in. I every keep time. telling Just Neil like, that's how he has to go to like Halloween as a cat toy. <laughs> a giant cat what toy. are their names? Uh, Baidu and Shredder. Oh, yeah. They've spent more money on this cat than I'm going to have to spend on that apartment, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Now I don't even sleep in my bed anymore because he sleeps in the bed. So I sleep on the floor next to the bed. He's completely taking control. You don't sleep on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but he does land on your face in the morning. He skydived and nailed me in my chest this morning. It yep. shocked the shit out of me. <laughs> I was like, am I dying? No. that Yeah. Cat's got to go. All right. Number two. Okay, would you rather get fired or have to fire your two closest friends at the company? Oh, God, get fired. <laughs> Without I love question. How she she really? rings in quick. Yeah. Um, You'd rather get fired? Yeah. Two closest uh, friends. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I. So that's the problem about being codependent is you feel 
responsible for the emotions of others. So there's no, I can't do anything where I'm creating a negative situation. Have you ever been in a job where you had to fire people? No. Never? No. Okay. I would just, you know, move. Yeah. Like literally I I once had this guy like ask if he could stay with me and then he did and then he's like, Well can my boyfriend stay? And then his boyfriend was staying and then he's like, Well can my friend from Barbados stay? And then oh, she was shit. staying. We had three extra people staying at the apartment and you can't say no. I couldn't say no. And so me and my boyfriend at the time, we literally rather than asking them to leave, we moved and because they weren't gonna help us move. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that is great. Yeah, that's how I deal. Well, I'm a conflict how, avoider. Can well, somebody like, let's say you're my wife, right? Just hypothetically, mm-hmm. can I? And I know you're doing this after the you say yes to the first one. Can I go up to you and like, do you really want them to stay? And you're like, no, of course I don't want to stay. All right, <laughs> I will take care of this one. You get out. You know, like is that? That's what you need in a partner. To, yeah, I or get, he's just like you, and like, okay, we have to move. I, I, he, I mean, the irony is that he was very, he was a very aggressive dude. Also, I mean, not also, he was an aggressive dude that didn't fear conflict. But I think for both of us, like, I don't know, we were in a sea of white guilt or something. Like, we just could not tell these people to leave. Couldn't you freeze them out? That way, you avoid all the conflict, and it solves your a fear of conflict. Like, you just do stuff to freeze them out. Like, I, I, the oh, like, oh, lock, yeah, just like start lock. making out or, or just no, make it really uncomfortable yeah, emotionally. The locks, the no, I couldn't off, do that. I couldn't do it. Paint the apartment. Just shit the fuck with them. And then they'll eventually leave. Like, this place is awful. I know. And then even though you're suffering through it and then there's no conflict. I know. I, I wasn't that creative. I think we should have just <laughs> we could have brainstormed better. But again, we were potheads. You know, we were just oh, like, OK, forget it. Then yeah, this is a start. start. This is yeah, where we're potheads. Pot come in, yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> It's like anything. Yeah, it's a yeah. mess. Um, Neil, uh, would you rather get fired or have to fire your two closest friends? I'd probably have to. I don't. I'd, I'd fire. I well, know exactly what you would do. Shut up. I, I'd fire my friends, but I'd hire them back secretly. <laughs> you see what I I'm love saying? how so you I'm just always find a solution. I'm always finding a solution. I would ha- fire them, but not really. <laughs> I would never say the word fire. I'd be like, hey, guys, we're going to do something different now. That's true. This one I'll give him. He wouldn't say the word fired. <laughs> but he would. Some, do something You'd preserve the self. He would I'd re- take um, care of them somehow if I had a fire. Mm. If they were really good and I had a fire, I'd take care of them somehow. He'd have Hear to that? reposition them. He would use some kind of weird word. Yeah, we're just going to have. Or like I'd kill, maybe I'd kill them. What if I killed them both? <laughs> and then I don't have to deal with firing them. That's fair <laughs> enough. That's a good choice for third. <laughs> I'm just joking. I would fire him, but it wouldn't be pretty. You know, I mean, I wouldn't like that at all. I'd say we'd have to. Yeah, work. you'd really suffer. Have, I would suffer. Um, but yeah, I could do it. Um, oh, you wouldn't get I would fired. not want to get fired. You would not want to get fired yourself. No. It depends yeah. on that question's tricky because it depends on what if you're all doing in high school. I remember we were all doing a shitty job and they threatened to fire me and our or my friends kind of at that place. But all of us were like, I didn't give a shit. Right. And then, and then I knew they were going to all get fired. We just all quit. Mm. <laughs> it was all solidarity. Dep- yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on the job. I mean, if you're making two dollars an hour, Neil, that's one thing. But yeah. if you're making a hundred grand a year, if it's a big time job, that's a whole. That's what I'm saying. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. So if you're at games, people play in Houston, Texas, then you all take the bull together. See, what I do with Neil is like, so when we do writing jobs, if I have to like outsource, and I go, Neil, what do you think about this? Like, I don't really actually hire him, so I don't really have to fire him. <laughs> <laughs> I just write a bunch of shit, <laughs> and then he gets money sometimes. So it's good. <laughs> all right. I can't so tell anybody about. It, but I right. feel good <laughs> on the inside. So it works. The, the relationship works. All right. Would you rather save one person you know from certain death or save a thousand people you don't know from certain death? I, I mean, I guess, oh, God, uh, the thousand. 
Well, I don't know. Maybe the one because overpopulation is a real there problem. There you go. Now you're thinking. <laughs> now you're. Now you're I ratchet, don't know. The rationalizing <laughs> the most. That's what I love. Of course, I would say the one person I know. I can't even think of the other way. Yeah, I would save the one person. Unless we're all, I'm like, if I'd have to be standing in front of the other thousand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm not. Because there are a, a thousand shit bags out there. It re- yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. Also, I'm going with the overpopulation. Overpopulation I, really is a problem. And also fixing the planet. You guys are making this way <laughs> too. I like that, like though. The overpopulation. I like, I'm fixing you didn't... the planet at the same time I'm saving someone close to me. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you could kill a thousand rapists, you would. Yeah, save your one. It that. makes it easy, but that's not the question. No, that's you could be killing you a lot of you know innocent people, children. Children, yeah. right? Yeah, but that's still I'm curing overpopulation. I'm sticking with that. Okay. That, ra- that the, your first yeah. rationalization. Uh, good great. luck sleeping tonight. <laughs> after that one, it's ridiculous. What are you talking? You know so who is going to you know sleep well? Thousand, t- wait, Tony? you know who is going to sleep well tonight? The elephants, <laughs> the fish in the sea, because there's less. The one million animals that are going to be extinct in the next ten years. That was the most depressing article I've ever read. I literally just couldn't get out of my bed for like. Like a couple minutes. We're just hard. We got stymied me. We'll fix this. We'll we'll change it. But it's gonna again. It's gonna Did you read the article about us destroying the whole earth? Yeah, I know how we're destroying the whole earth. I listened to the little Dicky song about the earth. Oh yeah, I heard that. Uh, hopefully that will change things. <laughs> yeah, little Dicky's <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> collaboration with yeah. Ariana Grande will yeah, do no, it. I, oh, it's so sad that that's <laughs> he's got a lot of downloads. Okay, Neil, <laughs> this one goes to you first. Would you rather get free cable for life? Or send one underprivileged kid to college. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I always want to go back to college, I think I could do both at the same time. No. Nope. Free cable. Not, I'll learn not, more, and eventually I'll send myself back to college. You're the underprivileged kid. I'm the underprivileged kid. <laughs> See, he'll find a way out of anything. Yeah, that's He's good. He's the MacGyver of stupid <laughs> thoughts. I always wanted to go to Harvard, and that's my way that's in. That's it. You put your way Boom. You know I'll what? get I'm my dad to write you. you a letter. Thank yeah. you. I'm going to have to hand it to you. That's a good way out of that, to send yourself <laughs> as underprivileged. <laughs> a kid may be the thing. Tony? Uh, I, I mean, I'm obvious. My answer's so obvious. I'm going with the kid. You're going with the kid. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think I have to know the kid. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, if I know the kid... Classic. I pa- guess, but cable's important to you thinking. as but you. The way I do it now, since I already pay for cable, you know. Yeah. I'll send the kid. Yeah. You know what I mean, cable's not expensive enough. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess. Well, that's two hundred. If it was like rent or your, you know, that would be a rent for life. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so rent for life, or you you send. Rent my mortgage life. that's coming up for life or yeah rent th- for my, li- my wife wouldn't even blink at this yeah. <laughs> fuck that kid guy right. can hear us saying it <laughs> well rent for life are you open up a school like lebron james that changes generations of kids oh well, yeah that's, well yeah i, I mean, love that he did that who knows what i could do if i could have that comfort that i didn't have to pay my mortgage you would give that. back to society i would give back to society mm-hmm. i probably uh, anyway. all right no how about just a free uh a beautiful three-bedroom condo in New York for free for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. or you open up a school that's going to change thousands of kids' lives in Africa. The school. Probably the school. Yeah. Probably oh, the school. I'd take the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've wanted an apartment, so... Uh, I'm working you know on the apartment. how hard it is to get an apartment? I know I, exactly I'll, how hard it is. I'm doing it right now. I, I'll get the part. I don't know. It would be hard to say no. All right, that. let's do one more. Let's do one more. Um, oh, I have Neil on this one. Okay, Neil robs a bank. One million dollars. He can tells rob, us. Can I steal a painting? <laughs> okay. Right, Neil, a Neil steals his painting. He's been trying to steal a painting for his whole life. Neil robs a bank. One million dollars. He tells us. But the money he gives 
He gives the money that he steals to cancer charity. The cops are offering a $30,000 reward. Do you turn him in? Never. Even if he was keeping the money and rolling around in it naked, I wouldn't turn him in. Thank oh. you. There you go. So what I heard is someone that wants to rob the bank with me. <laughs> it's me and Fuck the bank. Yeah. Going, oh, yeah. I'm there in. you go. We're going a little Bonnie and Clyde part two. A hundred percent. I am into robbing Sell the out Neil for 30 grand. <laughs> you take me down, right? I don't totally take you down. But what you don't know is I knew. 30 grand might be a little low. What you don't know is what the reason I told you is because I'm going to pin the whole crime on you. <laughs> 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 I knew it. I'd have to document it on a tape and put it in a vault so when the cops came to get me, I'm like, ah, I'd have you on tape. But what you don't know is I taped you taping me ah. the whole time. Damn. All right, well, then I'm going to have to have Gene that's, involved with a drone watching every your move. That's so me. Warhol of you. Yeah, I'm going to tape you taping me. But what, what you don't know is Gene is living in the beautiful three-bedroom apartment <laughs> that I got her for free. Nice throwback. All right, one more. If you didn't have to worry about money, what would you do all day? Tony? What I'm doing, I'm struggling to be a relevant artist in this cold, dark universe. Nice. I oh, think my, my God. I actually cool. would have the same answer, but with <laughs> less doom and gloom on it. <laughs> Just do what I'm doing. Just do what I'm Wait, doing. Wait, give that answer again. Say that again. I said struggling <laughs> to be a relevant artist in this cold, dark universe. Oh, I love that answer. <laughs> That's uh, movie number three. I'm going to call this episode Dark Artist. <laughs> dark. Cold. Cold, dark artist. <laughs> no, cold, dark. Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay. Are you doing Neil. other art? Neil. Are you drawing? What would you do? Stuff? I'm a dancer. Are you a dancer? Yeah. And, but are you doing uh, paintings and stuff like that? No. no. Okay, nothing I can have. Neil. Just in case. Uh, wait, what's the question? If you didn't have to worry about money, what would you do all day? Would you still be working? I'd be doing probably the same shit. But pro- I would probably... Writing screenplay. If I had, If I had more money, like if I had a lot of money and I could do stuff, I'd, I'd produce more work. Yeah. I'd, I'd make my own films. Yeah. If okay. I just had an unlimited amount. I'd make film and t- television. There you go. Yeah, I'd stop prostituting myself. Yeah, that, no to doubt To try to get people to give me money. I'm now a little bit. I try. Just not as much. I mean, I'm trying. I have a hot podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're an artist. Welcome <laughs> to the world of art. Does this count as art a podcast? Yeah. You hesitate. Yeah, I mean, you I hesitate. I think you know shit. But the, the way I do it, it is. Yeah. The, oh yeah, you're an art. You're a pod artist of the podcast. <laughs> the yeah. podcast is a vehicle to express the artistic thoughts. Oh, okay, I feel like that's pretty good. I'll I feel take good it. about myself now. I'll take it. All right, the way we end this part. Well, that's the end. The way we uh, end the podcast is one good thing or one bad thing of the week. You can pick a good one, a bad one, or both. Neil, you want to start this week? Yeah, I have a good thing. Go ahead. I just had the greatest time last night. Where? Bethel's out of town. Mm-hmm. I watched the cats. The, I watched the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it was so good. With the cats? It was Stevie it was, Nicks. It was that good? I felt like I was back oh. in high school. It I was just, Stevie Nicks, followed by The Cure. Janet Jackson. And Janet Jackson. Yeah. And then I stopped there. The Cure made it to it the Rock like, and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, that was amazing. They were great. Mm. It was a really good. Th- Are I, they? I don't know who was left. No, oh, oh, what am I talking about? And then it was Roxy Music. Oh, there you go. And Roxy Music had there, that Brian whole, like that, yeah, that whole, yeah. yeah. I, I guess I like, I, I, there's part of it that's funny too, though, because I watch these people. They're all like Stevie Nicks is seventy. Yeah. The guy, they're all like, they're all still amazing, and it still works, but they're also old. It just doesn't look right. It does. It's just something weird about it. They're all it old as shit, right. but yeah. it's it's really good. So it was kind of inspiring. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking that as 
a good thing a of the great week. Meal. Nice. Mm. Very nice. Super inspiring. Did you no, it, eat something with it? Did you have chips or anything to go with that? You know what? I did. I ordered a spaghetti and meatballs off Seamless. Right. It was just a self. And Bethel called and you're like, I miss you. It was an, I didn't answer the phone. It was an artist date. <laughs> <laughs> an I artist had date. an artist date with there myself last night, and it was epic. <laughs> and then by due ate half the meatball, uh-huh. and then I panicked that it probably had something that was going to kill it. <laughs> it was a great. Nice, nice so I had then? a great artist. Oh, good. I nice. w- and then it was followed by what was going to be a great sleep until I woke up at three in the morning. All right, Mike. There you go. Go ahead. One good thing and one bad thing of the week. Um, can I? Can my good thing be ten days ago? Is that fair? Sure. I did a uh, San Pedro in the woods with shamans. What's what is that? that? It's, like it's like Burning Man ayahuasca or like peyote. Oh, okay. But oh, it's wow, San Pedro. Okay. Wait, by yourself? And then you're no, in with the w- some shamans in the woods. And, and where? So what woods? In the woods of upstate New York. The things glow. There was a lot of iridescence, and then there was a sweat lodge. It was really deep. Okay, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. How did this happen? People you sign keep up their for clothes this? on. Uh, yeah, you kept your clothes on. Um, yeah, you signed up for it, and then you take the San Pedro, and then you you know pray to the ancestors, and you like go to the river, and you honor the river, and you honor the trees, and you get in a set sweat lodge, and you're reborn. How many people were there? About forty. Let's go oh, back to shit. scruples. How <laughs> yeah. much money, Neil, would you have to be paid to do that? Uh, I would well if there was clothes coming off, then yeah, I would have been there. Oh, <laughs> no, just, I, that was a joke. No, I, I don't think I'd be into that, but no. I I I want to know about it. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah. you're hearing about it. Yeah, but and so San Pedro is as a brand. It's like a mescaline kind of medicine. Is that the top one, or is there another one? I I think more people recently have been doing ayahuasca, but it's up there, you know. Oh, if you have to choose between San Pedro and ayahuasca. I've, I've done ayahuasca and I preferred the San Pedro experience, but it was also because it was outside and, and there was a female shaman, which was cool. Oh, uh, and what does the shaman do? They guide you through the experience. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah and they're okay. like, pray now and think about this and get okay. in the sweat lodge and, yeah. But you didn't die in the sweat lodge because you're here. No, no, yeah. I was reborn. <laughs> how hot was it? It's unfathomably yeah oh, shit lenny could you do that i could not do that i know i hear the crackling. you hear the crackling yeah. oh wait well, maybe some crack, crackle all right we have to get to the bottom of the crackling so let's wrap it up it goes with the shaman the <laughs> i think that's what it was you said shaman and started crackling so i made the shaman upset so maybe we're telling secrets we shouldn't all right let's get it to the end of the crackling my one great thing of the week is um birdie was sick again last week with the ear infection but we have this the pediatricians here are amazing pediatrician or shaman pediatrician they actually give you medicine and uh they fix birdie they're close by i think it's like nyped.com i'll give them a shout out on the upper west side so incredible absolutely incredible um do you use doctors or up there in new hampshire i use more i do a lot of witch doctors man you could guess that i go to healers yeah come over and leeches yeah people that talk to spirits munch mm -hmm. i love it I love this. Tony, where can everybody see you? Um, I have a blog, TonyBaloney.com. Um, and then CaveLightProductions.com is where all my sketch comedy is. And oh, where's wow. your social media? Social media, Instagram, Tony Naj, my last name, T-O-N-I-N-A-G-Y. Uh-huh. And then Facebook, um, same, Tony Naj or Tony Baloney. They both are there. I have a fan page. And can you take Lenny to the sweat lodge? I, w- I will pay to see that. <laughs> He'd love it. In I the will, end, he, will, if he just surrendered I the ego. Literally, <laughs> is, it, is it like a fee for that? You pay a fee? For you pay money, money to go, yeah. I'll pay for you and Lenny. I'll pay the whole thing. <laughs> I'll drive you up in a limo. I'll, I'll live whatever, tweet it. I'll do whatever it takes. No shots. 
Uh, but thank you so much right, for coming. Thanks, in. thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. Come back. Okay. Bye.